Today we get Pastor Casey coming and continuing in the book of Acts. It's going to be an amazing. Are you guys ready to receive the word? Amen. All right. Thanks, Pastor Sarah. Amen. How's everybody doing out there this morning? Come on. I love what God is doing in our church. It is so exciting to be a part of what he's doing. I love that your hearts are so open to whatever God wants to do. And if you're new to church and uh, you show up here and you see all these crazies dancing around and lifting their hands and celebrating and shouting, let me tell you something. If you can go to a hockey game, if you can go to a football game and paint your face red and start to shout out for the players you like and stand up from your seat and scream, if we can go there and do that, how much more should we be able to walk into the house of God and celebrate with excitement this God who became a man, gave himself on the cross for us so that we no longer have to be slaves to sin, but we've been set free and born again and now can step into the fullness of the purpose and the plans that God has for our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, if you're new to church and you see all that crazy stuff going on, I would just invite you to come on into the crazy family. Because I believe that we are just getting started, friends. I believe that God is doing something in our church and in our midst. His presence is tangible. Every Sunday, you can sense the Spirit of God moving in people's lives. Every Sunday, there are people that come out to this church that have never been to church before, that end up giving their lives to Jesus when they hear the good news of what Jesus is doing. There are believers that are getting filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and do what God has called them to do. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, that we ain't seen nothing yet. I believe that we're going to, yeah, you can get excited about that. I believe that we're going to see a move of God in our city and in our church and experience the outpouring of his spirit upon all flesh in a way that we have never seen before. So get ready. Strap on your seatbelts. Hold on to Jesus because it's about to get wild. I believe that he wants to include every single one of us in the purpose and the plan of God to pour out his spirit in this city. That this ministry that God has called us to is not just for the pastors. It's not just for the worship leaders. It's not just for the elite. It's for every one of you. That Christianity is not a spectator sport. But it's something that God is calling us to get off the sidelines and to step into the fullness of his spirit so that he can move in us and through us. And we would see a mighty move of God in this city. And I believe that thousands upon thousands and thousands of people are going to come to faith in Jesus through your life and through my life in the name of Jesus. And every time I have the opportunity to preach to you, I just get excited. Because I believe that God has anointed me. He's called me. Dolly was talking about identity. I know I shout and I spit and I make no apology because this is what God has done inside of me. You can put me in front of a TV with the Grey Cup or the Super Bowl and I might be quiet. But you put me in front of people, one or two or five or a thousand, and tell me to ask them, me to tell them about Jesus. And I can't help but shout about what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've experienced to the glory of God. And we've been in a series over the last few weeks in the summer, the book of Acts. And in the first half of the book of Acts, Peter is one of the main characters. And I love that guy. Because it says that when he got filled with the Spirit, he stood up and he shouted to the crowd. 
So I feel like Peter and me got something in common. I just hope I don't spit on you this morning. We've been in a series in the book of Acts, and this morning I'm going to preach to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can get excited. Let me go over this side and see if they're going to get excited. This morning I'm going to preach to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There we go. What about you guys? This morning, I'm going to preach to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Some expectation in the place this morning. You know, oftentimes when I pray and I prepare to preach, the word comes to me and I feel and know what God is calling me to preach. And this is one of those moments. This is one of those Sundays. And I feel that for many of you this morning, today, this morning is going to mark you for the rest of your life. Because he's going to baptize you, empower you to go and fulfill what he's called you to do. But you know, as I prayed and as I prepared, I didn't really actually take that much time to do it. I'm just being honest with you. And it wasn't like I was hearing God specifically. I knew the Bible verse that I was going to preach on. It was Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And it says this. It's a promise. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling everyone about me. Everywhere you go. And I've preached on that before. But this time... I started to open the notes of messages that I've done in the past. And not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But it was like, God stopped me. And he said, do you want what I gave you for those people yesterday? Or do you want what I'm giving you for the people of God today? And so I feel like God has given me a message. He's burning a message in my heart for you this morning. And I hope that you've got a heart that is ready to receive it. Let's read the verse again. It says in Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me read it again. You will receive power. Not you might Not some of you, but his promise is to all of you that you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. See, here's the thing. When it comes to being a witness and telling people about what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced through the power of Jesus, him dying on the cross for our sins, it's not something that we need to just try and muster up the courage to do, but it's actually something that we are empowered to do by his spirit. And he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses and you will Tell people everywhere about me. Later on, if you read through the book of Acts, and I'm going to read a couple of portions, but if you read through the book of Acts, John and Peter, they got pulled in, they got arrested because a man got healed. They prayed for a man, and the religious leaders, they pulled these guys in, and they told them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Because there was an evidence that they had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and it made some people uncomfortable. And here's the thing, when they got sternly threatened not to speak the name of Jesus, 
And I think the culture of the day is sternly threatening Christians not to speak the name of Jesus. There's a society, there's a culture that is trying to dampen and quiet and put out the fire of God. But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, when you've experienced His power, when you've experienced His love, when you've experienced His goodness, just like John and Peter, you will say, I can't help but tell of all the things that I've seen and that I've heard. I can't help it because I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, it's going to come out of me. And the truth is that every one of us, I believe if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, I believe that every one of you in this room not only have the call to do it, but I believe that inside of you there is a desire. You might not fully be living it, You might hide your lamp under a basket of fear. You might chicken chicken out sometimes when God is impressing something on your heart. But I believe that inside of you there's a desire. And if there's not, I believe he's going to awaken something in you this morning. And as I was praying about this morning, I just felt like God wanted to touch on something that happened before Acts 1-8. And it's a specific word for us this morning. And Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, go back to Acts 1, verse 1. So I'm going to read it to you out of the New International Version this morning. It says this. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, he's writing the, God, the writer of the book of Acts. It's actually called the Acts of the Apostles. But I think it would be more rightly called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Because we don't need to elevate those guys like they're superstars. Because actually they were not superstars. They were nothing special about them. It was the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And it's the acts of the Holy Spirit that we recognize in the book of Acts that were done through the hands of the disciples. And I'm thankful for that. That God uses the weak things of the world to show himself mighty and to show himself strong. So Luke is writing this book and he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's talking about the book, the Gospel of Luke, where he tells about the ministry, the birth. He tells about the birth of the ministry of Jesus and all that he does and all the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he did and how he went to the cross. He lived a sinless life. He paid the penalty for sinners like you and me. They killed him on the cross. He died a sinner's death even though he didn't do anything wrong and they buried him in the grave. We sang about it this morning, but three days later, It was impossible that death would hold him. And he rose again from the grave, defeating sin, defeating hell, defeating the curse over your life, and setting you free if you would put your faith and trust in him. Woo! That's the good news. That's the gospel. But it's cool here. It's interesting to me that Luke writes all that Jesus began to do and teach. Because let me tell you, friends, the ministry of Jesus didn't stop when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we see that in Acts because he sent the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing is that it didn't stop because today we still see blind eyes open. We still see deaf ears open. We still see dead people coming to life in Christ. We still see the miraculous. We still see signs and wonders. And what Jesus began is continuing today. It just looks different. 
And he says this in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen, he's chosen you, friends. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Jesus crucified, three days later, he's raised from the dead, and in his resurrection bodily form, he sat with his disciples and began to teach them about the kingdom of God. We actually don't have much record over those 40 days about what he was teaching them and telling them, but I'm pretty sure that he was charging them with this mandate to go into all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature. But then verse 4 says this. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, I love the word of God because every word is placed there on purpose. And we could so easily just breeze through that. But Jesus did not give a suggestion. He gave them the commission. And then he gave them a command. And the command was this. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait Touch your neighbor and say, wait. Come on, say it like you mean it. Wait. Wait for the gift my father promised. Now, in no way do I want you to hear this morning that getting the gift of the Holy Spirit is something that we need to work or earn our way into. The gift is a gift. You simply need to receive it and open it. And I believe that many of us, we've never got the gift because we never took the time to wait for the promise of the Father. And this is what he said. He said, wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means completely immersed. Let me just show you something here quickly that God showed me. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it's not going to be on the screen, but just follow along with me because I felt like God wanted to just pause on this minute for a second. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation And he lays out what the foundation of Christianity is. He says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms. My Bible has a plural under that word baptisms. Not just baptism, but baptisms. And to tell you this morning, there are three baptisms that are available to the believer. Let me just open this up for a second because I believe that if we would step into that faith and say, I want all that you have for me, God, that he's going to meet us in this place this morning. The first baptism that we experience, we find in the book of Corinthians where he talks about the Holy Spirit because none of us can actually come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws us to him. When Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, he said that the Holy Spirit, one of his primary jobs is to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment to come. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that draws people to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates your mind and opens up your understanding to the difficult things of God. The Holy Spirit is the one. The Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing, but that to those that believe, it is life. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings the words and the message of the gospel alive to you. And in Corinthians, it says this. It says, for by one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. The body is the family of God. The body is the body of Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that completely immerses you upon your faith, not by your good works, upon your faith into the body and the family of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. So, if you're a believer in the place this morning, I want to tell you that you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually desires to make his home in you. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the living God. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would dwell in the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus rose from the dead, that veil that separated man from the presence of God, from the Holy of Holies, was torn. And Jesus' sacrifice made the way for a sinful man to be made right with God and for the Holy Spirit to come and reside into each and every one of us if we would confess our faith in Jesus and surrender our lives to him. You have the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the one that gives us the ability to walk this life as Christians. He is the one that gives us peace. He is the one that gives us joy. He is the one that gives us self-control. He is the one that wants to conform us into the image of Christ. He gives us victory over sin. He gives us life in areas of our life that there is death. He gives us all the things that we need as Christians. But the third baptism, or sorry, the second baptism, John talked about, he said, I baptize you with water. And it's a baptism unto repentance. That it's actually a sign that you have repented and put your faith and trust in Jesus. You're not saved by being water baptism. You're saved by the faith that you proclaim when you're being water baptized. And if you're in this place and you're a Christian and you've never been baptized in water, I would encourage you this morning, the next time we do it, get yourself in that dunk tank and go down with the old and rise up with the new because there's something that happens supernaturally when we get baptized in water. But the third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, when John talked to the disciples about it, he says, when Jesus comes, when the one after me comes, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to tie, whose shoe I'm not worthy to carry, he said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you, completely immerse you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so in the book of Acts, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon. Now, who's the one that does the baptizing of the Holy Spirit? Jesus does it. It's Jesus' joy to baptize us in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're not in competition. They work together for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel in the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and this is what we're reading about in Acts 8, 
We have the Holy Spirit as believers, but when the Spirit comes upon us, listen, get the wording. He says, I will pour my Spirit out, the Holy Spirit. The power will come upon you. Upon you, and it begins to spill out over you and through you. There's a tangible difference on the outside and you start to leak. You start to pour out of your spirit. I will cause rivers of living water and people around you can't help but get drenched with the love of God through your life. And that's what I'm talking about. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the immersion, complete immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's for a purpose. It's not just... So you can feel good. It's not just so you can get the goose pumps or the goose pimples. It's not just so that you can dance in the front or get a prophetic word. But Acts 1.8 tells us what the purpose is. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come, you will receive power. And it's power from on high. It's a power to do what you can never do in your own strength. You will receive power and you will be witnesses unto me telling people everywhere about me. When we talk about the power to be a witness, oftentimes we can focus on what that looks like and how we need to go and do this and go and do that and go and lay hands on the sick and preach the gospel to the nations, which is cool. That's all part of it. But if you've never received the power of the Holy Spirit, then you might be like one of those people in the gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, the disciples said to him, they cast out demons in your name. They healed the sick in your name. They prophesied in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me because I didn't know the and I love how Dolly brought that word this morning about identity because witness is all about identity and allowing God to flow out of you through you from a place of understanding who you are whose you are and who he's called you to be to the nation around you so this morning that's just the intro so Here's the thing. The disciples, they would have never witnessed to the people around them unless they received the promise that God had for them. And the promise that God had for them was the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the gift. We can get all messed up thinking about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy and the Holy Spirit is the gift. And he will manifest himself as need be. But they would have never received the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless they would have obeyed the commandment to wait. To wait on God. And I wonder, church, I wonder, friend, when was the last time that you just waited on God. I wonder when was the last time that we turned off the TV. I know we get our routines and we get our TV series that we like and we gotta be there, we gotta be there, we gotta watch this show. It's all good, whatever. But I'm just saying, what would happen 
If we just set time aside to wait for the promises of God in our life, what would our witness look like? What would the power of God look like in us and through us if we tuned out the compromise, if we killed the complacency, if we got desperate for God, if we cried out to him and said, God, I know there's more. I've been living my life like this, but I know there's more, God. I'm tired of just punching a Sunday church clock. I'm tired of seeing God move through other people's lives. I want everything that you have for me, God, and I'm going to wait on you until you baptize me with the power from on high. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That word blessed is actually the word happy. We wonder why there's depressed, beat up, torn down Christians. Listen, friends, if you want to know what's going to make you happy, get fully alive in Jesus. Get fully alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. There will be nothing that compares to seeing God move in and through your life to see dead people come to life in Jesus. Nothing. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not happy are those that hunger and thirst for Netflix or for Facebook Now, I'm not kidding you guys. I'll be honest with you. I sit there sometimes and I turn on. My wife just told me, you're on your phone too much. What am I doing? I'm wasting time looking at what's going on in other people's lives. Maybe sometimes comparing my life to their life. And I'm looking out and going, man, they got such a good... But happy are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and being a witness for Christ is not something that we just do. It flows out of who we are. It flows out of knowing whose we are. In the book of Daniel, there's a verse that's been stirring in my heart. And it says this. It says, those that know their God. How are you going to get to know him if you don't spend time with him? How are you going to get to know what he wants to say to your family that don't know Jesus if you don't spend time listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And he says, happy are those, or he says, those that know their God, he says, they will have strength and they will do great exploits for God. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. But we would have never seen it if the disciples had not waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And literally, friends, they locked themselves in the upper room. I read that, and it's not by coincidence that they were in the upper room. Do you remember the story of Elijah when he would come through the city? There was a particular woman who actually created an upper room space in her house because she knew the presence of God was on Elijah. So when the man of God came through her town, she made room in her house so that he could rest there. And I wonder what it would look like if we made an upper room, if we made place a place in our room so that when the Spirit of God came through, He would find a place for which He could rest. And it says in Acts chapter 1, 
Verse 13, he says, When they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of uh, Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. And all these continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. Now here's the thing that we could miss, and I'm almost done. Is that right when they did that, it was a time of years, 40 days from the day uh, of Passover, the celebration of Passover, and it was a Jewish celebration called Shavuot. And it was a celebration, it was a harvest celebration where the Jews would make a pilgrimage from all over the land. They would come to Jerusalem to basically throw this big party and to celebrate. But these guys were so hungry for the promise of God. They were so desperate for the power of God in their life that while their friends were out partying, while their friends were out celebrating with each other, they locked themselves in the upper room and with one accord, they got down on their knees and they cried out for, to God. They cried out to him and said, God, we know there's more. You've called us to be your witness and we know we can't do it without you. So would you come? Would you baptize us? And when they did that, what happened? Seven days later, the Bible says there was a suddenly moment. There was a suddenly moment And we read about it in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And I wonder if together we could press into God with one accord this morning. If we could ask Him for the fullness with prayer and supplication. They were all together with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. It sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me tell you friends, when that suddenly moment happened, the wait was worth it. And I want to tell you, friends, if you would lock yourself in a room, maybe it's not in a room, maybe it's in your car, maybe it's your lunch hour, maybe it's just when you're sitting on the can. I don't care if you just took the time to say, God, speak to me through your word. Speak to me through your spirit. Baptize me so that when I go out into the world, I have your power to do what you've called me to do. That maybe suddenly, suddenly, the spirit of God would come upon you. And baptize you, immerse you in his power and in his strength. And you won't help but go and tell people what you've seen and what you've heard. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's another promise through the Spirit of God. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Anyone who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. This message is not just for you. And maybe I shout because I need to hear it. 
Maybe I shout because I've allowed compromise into my life where I know God is drawing me to a place of diligently seeking Him. And I've chosen to ignore it and do something else instead. But it's time, church. It's time that we crucify the flesh. It's time that we kill the distractions in our lives and go after Jesus with everything that we are so that we can see who he's actually made you to be. And I promise you that if you would do that, the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those that love him, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God has revealed them to us. A suddenly moment. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're new to church, maybe you've never been to church. It's not like this every Sunday. The, the preacher doesn't yell and shout every Sunday. But if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to tell you, friends, that today, right now, is your suddenly moment. That God has drawn you by his spirit because he loves you. Because he's got a purpose and a plan for your life that you could never even imagine. And I believe that God has destined you, has purposed you to be here. You might have come by invite from a friend or maybe you just woke up and said, I'm going to go check out church this morning. But I believe that God is a suddenly moment for you this morning. And the Bible says this. If you would confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the consequences of our sin. None of us are perfect. There was only one that was perfect. His name is Jesus Christ. And he lived on this earth 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of your sin so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free. And today, in this suddenly moment, if you would confess him, if you would call out to him, you will be saved. You can step from a place of being unforgiven and being dead in your sin to a place of being forgiven, fully alive as a child of God. And I'm going to ask right now, I'm going to ask right now that every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And if you're here this morning and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, I'm not just asking to confess. I'm asking that you would surrender your life to Jesus, that you would give him everything that you are. Then I'm going to ask you right now just to slide your hand up. I want to pray for you. I'm looking to my left right now. If that's you, this is a suddenly moment. This is a moment of purpose. God brought you here. If you're here and you have never confessed Jesus as Lord, then do it right now. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here right now, I'm looking to the center. If there's somebody here, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Looking to my right, praise God. Come on, one more second. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, go ahead and put your hand up. God bless you. He sees you. He loves you. God bless you. 
God bless you in the middle. God bless you. If you're here and you raise your hand, I'm asking you to do one more thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And why don't we all pray this prayer for the benefit of those that are praying it for the first time. So I'm going to pray and just lead you in a prayer. And I ask that you just repeat after me. So here we go. Say, Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you came back to life. I believe that I can be forgiven. And I ask you to forgive me today of all my sin. I put my faith and trust in you. And I give you my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, why don't we give God praise? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. The Bible says that when a sinner comes to repentance, all of heaven celebrates. Stand to your feet right now this morning. Come on, all over this place. Stand to your feet. Friends, I'm inviting you to this. Right now, right now, right here, right here, in this moment, I believe that God wants to visit you. And I don't know if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit before, but I know that he wants to do it again. And you might be in this place, and I don't know if there's a formula or one specific way that it happens. I've seen where people have been baptized with the Holy Spirit by responding to an altar call. I've seen it where people have been baptized by the Holy Spirit while driving in their car. I've seen it where they've been baptized while laying in their bed. I've seen it where they've been baptized as soon as they come out of the water baptism tank. Whatever it looks like. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, Jesus said this, how much more will the Father give us the Holy Spirit if we would just ask? And so, right now, we're going to worship. If you've got to go, if you've got to go get kids, I want to release you. I know we've gone a little bit long. I don't even know what time we finish. I I'm just lost in it right now. But if you've got to go, feel free to go. But I'm going to open up this altar. And if you're hungry, if you're desperate for the power of God in your life, if you're desperate to not live complacent, but to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and completely immersed in His power, not just so you can feel good, but so that you can fulfill the mandate of God on your life, then get out of your seat and come to the front right now. Come on. Come on, right now, if you're hungry, come on. If you're thirsty, come on. Holy Spirit's going to do something right now, trust me. Come on, if you're hungry, come on. Come on, get bold, get hungry, get desperate. Come on, ask Him, just simply ask Him. Right now, Father, we ask You, Holy Spirit. We ask You, Holy Spirit, to come. Do a work in us, God. Baptize us with fire. Baptize us with your power. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do, God. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you right now. We wait on you.